Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Win Today podcast, where it is our mission to inspire people to win today by connecting with amazing leaders and sharing amazing stories. My name is Ryan Cass, and I am your host, and it is my passion to serve others and equip you with tools to win today, tomorrow, and in the future. We are committed to bringing you dedicated, talented, and passionate experts that will inspire you, educate you, and push you to reach your goals and secure a prosperous future in life for yourself, your family, your community, and those around you. We love inspiring people to win today, push forward, overcome obstacles, and live their greatest life. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please help us grow and continue to serve as many people as possible on our mission by sharing the podcast, subscribing, and if you feel led, hitting one of those buttons that has five stars on it. Now, thank you so much for tuning in, and let's connect with our guest. What's up, folks? Thanks so much for tuning in. This is episode number 29 on season two, and I'm joined by Gab Beauchet. Gab is the founder of Millennial Solution. In addition to that, the co-founder of The Purpose Company and co-author of best-selling book, Purpose Factor. Gab, thanks so much for hopping on the show today. It is so great having you here, especially being uh, someone that's followed you for a long time and now working with you. Hey, I'm so honored to be a part of this. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So you've had the opportunity to work with thousands of people all over the globe, work with Fortune 500, Fortune 50, the military, give TEDx talks. And your name is no secret to many people across the world. But what is something that is not on your bio or your resume that makes you really proud and why? Ooh, good question. I mean, there's so many things I think I think the things that I'm most proud of are the things that I failed at mm. uh, because, and those never make it on the bio, right? Because that would just be a ridiculously long and actually very uninteresting explanation as people are introducing me to do keynotes and things. <laughs> um, but I mean, I've tried so many things and and failed at them. And I think what, um, like one of them, I did beauty pageants for like 10 years thinking that that was going to be kind of my foray into leadership and media and platforms and things. And I tried so hard thinking that one outlet was going to then turn into everything else. And, and so I think I, I'm probably most proud of the fact that even though I had no chance of winning, like looking back, I'm like, I had so much confidence, too much confidence, one would say, um, but, uh, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm very, um, kind of pigheaded in a way and just like, no, I'm going to do this. And, and, uh, it made no sense, but I did it anyway. And the skills obviously, you know, it out, outweighed the, um, the, uh, the tears, I suppose, but yeah, I've, I've done so many things and failed at them. And while I was doing them, I was convinced that was the thing I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. No, I love it's. This is my favorite question in the world to ask now, and especially right off the bat, because you get so many unique answers. But then what it does is it shows who someone really is down at the core level. And what you mentioned there was 
Hey, I don't even like using the word failure. I, I, I call it opportunity. So sure. you embrace these opportunities that you've had in your life and it shaped you in some way. And it's, it's interesting this morning I was running and you know, the latest business that I launched with my good friend, Chris Singleton champion tribe, it's this community of people that want to live an upgraded lifestyle and be a champion of life. So, and we have five pillars of family, faith, fitness, finance, and foundation. So how we give back and serve the community. And so we've got people that are really good in some areas and want to grow in others. So for me, fitness is my strong point. So I'm up running early in the morning. So I'll post videos like at 5 a.m. Like, hey, get up and go or just something that's on my heart. And this morning I posted about 409. You know, the household cleaner 409. Mm -hmm. Do you know why it's named 409? I do not. So the founders of 409 had 408 unsuccessful opportunities. Oh, wow. And it was on trial number 409 that they finally struck gold. And that is why 409, which is probably in everyone's cabinet at home, is named 409. That's awesome. Just embracing that. that. Yeah. yeah I'm sure, well, that's a great question. I've done hundreds of podcast interviews and I've never been asked that one. So, so keep it in your rep, but I feel like that's a really good way for people to humble brag. So I think it's a cool, way. <laughs> I clearly did not take the opportunity. Um, but, um, but I think that's a cool way to, to cue people up. I love it. Yeah, no. And, and this is, that's definitely the first time someone has said, well, I'm actually proud of something that I didn't do successfully. So really awesome. One thing that you do now in, in your work, Gab, is you help people with identifying their purpose and using that to, uh, to serve the world. And purpose as defined through you and Brian, and now even with me as a client, what I know purpose to be is the best of what you have to help others. So why is it so important for people to identify their purpose and use that to carry them through through life? I think most people have a working definition in their head about what purpose means. Like if I were to, you know, leave my home and go ask your average professor or barista or accountant, what do you think purpose is? Or do you know what purpose is? They'd all nod and say yes. And then you start to ask them, what does it mean? That's when people start to have, you know, some, some varying definitions. And I think growing up being an addicted to achievement athlete myself that got straight A's and felt like if I achieved and somehow I was worthy of something, I, I didn't love that people just kept telling me, when I asked what I should do next, that I should find my purpose because it felt like a platitude and, and I don't do well with platitudes. <laughs> um, and so I was like, you're telling me I need to do something, but you're not telling me how to do something. And I had just this natural frustration with it. And, uh, and so I think as a society, I think innately, even us as individuals, we know that purpose is important. I think we know that we're here for a reason. I think that most of us believe that there's a reason that we're individually here on the planet, that the, the odds that we're even in existence is like one in 400 trillion, trillion or something. So it's, it's overwhelming when you think about it. But I think as an individual and as an inquisitive one from a pretty young age, I was just frustrated that people told me to do something, didn't tell me how. Uh, and so I think that's kind of where the origination of us even discovering what is purpose and can we define it in a way that's actionable? 
Um, instead of just saying it's what makes me feel good or it's being a good you know, member of my family, or it's, you know, paying my taxes, whatever people kind of interpret being, you know, on purpose is I, I, I knew that there had to be more. So, um, so why is it so important? I think it's, it is the defining factor of our identity. When you know your purpose, decisions come easier, relationships become more clear. If you're trying to decide what to study or who to marry or what kind of business to start, it becomes the core foundation. And I think a big reason why we have an identity crisis in this country is that we don't know who we are. Mm. And, and I think if we really start at the core foundation of who am I and who am I here to help, I think a lot of those other issues that many of us deal with individually, I think a lot of them clear up pretty quickly because we are really solid in who we are. I love that. And to your point, I feel like it it is one of the common buzzwords, you know, find, find your purpose or chase your purpose. But what does that, what does that really mean? Right. You know, how do we go a little deeper and on the note of, of buzzwords. And then I do want to come back to, you know, what do those steps look like? I heard, I've listened to a lot of podcasts that you and Brian have been on and that, and that you've been on in your Ted talks, which I love by the way. And another buzzword that starts with a P is passion. People say, find your purpose, find your passion, pursue your purpose, pursue your passion. One thing that I found very interesting, and I didn't learn this until, again, just studying more of your work, is that passion, and as defined, passion is defined as a strong and barely controllable emotion. And y'all have, you and Brian have mentioned, hey, Passion, when you look at the definition, means you have no control. Purpose, you have control. Does this mean that we should throw passion out the window and not even use that word, eliminate it from our vocabulary? Or does it have some sort of role, but obviously purpose is still the greater thing? Yeah. Yeah. Benjamin Franklin had a quote that essentially said, if, if passion steers the ship, let reason hold the reins. Mm. And, and I think that that is such a beautiful perception of what role passion needs to play. Yeah. The Oxford dictionary literally defines passion as a barely controllable emotion. And yet that's the number one piece of advice that we tell undergrads to, to pursue or people who feel frustrated or are feel unseen and unmotivated or unfulfilled at work. And, uh, and, and I think when you start to look at what well-intentioned bad advice did for a generation as someone who's studied uh, generations and how, how generations make, make decisions, I, I think we started to see pretty quickly that um, telling people to pursue their passion was really difficult. And I think there's three reasons. I think the first is a lot of people don't know what their passion is. So you're telling people pursue your passion and they don't know even what passion means. They say, oh, I'm passionate about video games. Should I become a professional gamer? Or I'm passionate about traveling. Should I start a travel blog? I think that's a big part of it. I think that people have are polypassionate. I think that you can be incredibly passionate about fitness and your family and, and um, eradicating um, a certain disease because someone in your family suffered from it. And we use that word to say the same thing, but it has completely different meanings. So I think that's a big part of it. And I think passions change. You can be incredibly passionate when you're in college versus when you're in your 20s or 30s or when you're retired. And I think when we assume that 
passion is the determining factor of what we should do next, I think we really limit the fact that um, passion comes and goes. Mm. Um, it's just like happiness. Happiness is very much a perspective. And I think passion can be a perspective as well. Um, and, and I think it's one of those things we talk a lot about it in our book, the purpose factor that in many cases, passion, passion can, can be grown. It doesn't necessarily exist at the beginning. If you think back probably for, for you being an athlete, when you started to run, you probably weren't very good at it. And most of us aren't passionate about things that we're not good at, but Mm. now you're great at it and you're measuring your progress and you're setting goals. And that's a passion of yours. And so if we tell people pursue your passion and especially if they're young or especially if they're in transition or especially if they're starting something new, um, of course, there's no passion there because there's no proficiency. And so I think giving us some grace on how much weight we're even putting on that word passion, I think is super important, especially if you're trying to decide what to do next. That's so interesting. And you painted a beautiful picture there. And I love how you know, one thing you mentioned is that passion can change. Passion can grow. Passion can move. But purpose is fixed. Mm-hmm. So purpose, purpose is fixed. Purpose is almost like a foundation, if you will, right? Because you can't change the foundation for, for this house here, but I can go ahead and I can change the walls. I can change how everything else looks, but purpose has to be viewed as the foundation. Am I interpreting that correct? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And we, we believe very strongly that your purpose does not change, but who you serve with your purpose does. So if you're in between jobs and you you don't have an employer, that doesn't mean you don't have a purpose. If you're deciding to be a stay-at-home parent and you're choosing to give all of your time and attention to those young kids, that doesn't mean that you don't have a purpose. If you're retiring or you're starting a business or you're a solopreneur, or you're CEO of thousands of employees, I, I think when people assume and they attach their purpose to a season of life, I think that they lose how complex and how beautiful your purpose really is. And, and when I sit down with people and if I just have 10, 15 minutes with them to say, Hey, let's talk about your purpose. My first question to them is always, what have you overcome that you can help other people overcome? Because in overcoming you've created muscles, you've, you've created a pathway that you then have an opportunity. And I believe a duty and responsibility to then turn around and help people behind you walk down that path themselves. You have an authority that those people um, don't necessarily have. And so we talk a lot in our community um, at the Purpose Company that your 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 story is your authority. Mm-hmm. That that path that you've walked, that that work that you've done on yourself, that inner healing that you wish someone would have helped you through, that is the permission that you need to be able to turn around and then help others through through that journey. Uh, so I think that that purpose element really does not change. It's who it is that you're helping with it and how it is that you're packaging it, whether you're packaging it as a parent, you're packaging it as, as nonprofit work, you're packaging it as a CEO or an executive or an entrepreneur. Um, that's where the fun stuff comes in is once you discover it, how you want to use it is totally up to you. Mm-hmm. And I love that, that last line you mentioned there of purpose is permission. And that was one thing I wrote down in when I'm just taking my notes and watching your, your TEDx talks, I think the first time you, I heard you say it was at your TEDx youth talk at Lake Maniplin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't, I'll mess up the pronunciation. So don't ask me to say it 10 times fast, but I love that 
purpose is permission. Is purpose always rooted in overcoming some sort of pain or obstacle? Is that generally where, is that, that's always the first question you're going to ask someone is, Hey, what have you overcome? Because is it, is it always rooted in those things? That's the first question for sure. Especially yeah. and it's the fastest way to get there because in you telling me what have you overcome that you can help others overcome, I'm going to be able to identify how do you like solving problems? That's one of the core elements of your purpose is problem solving. So the big mistake people make about purpose is they make it all about themselves. It's all about me and what I like and what, you know, what makes me happy. And the truth is those good feelings, that fulfillment, that, you know, those butterflies, however it is that you feel when you're helping people, that's not the goal. That's the result. And so if you're just focusing on what makes me happy, you're actually never going to chase happiness. You're never going to achieve that happiness because you're chasing it all the time. Um, But yes, I think the first question I'm always going to ask people is what have you overcome that you can help others overcome? Because I'm going to identify, okay, what types of problems do you like solving? Do you like solving individual problems? Do you like solving major, massive systemic problems? Um, Do you like working one-on-one with people? Do you like creating a system and having them figure it out on, on their own? Um, I also too want to want them to tap into what, what hard thing have I overcome that by overcoming that thing, I now can help other people with that thing Mm -hmm. Um, because purpose isn't just a noun. It's a verb. It's the application of what, you know, it's the application of how you help people. Cause I, I think a lot of times we talk about being kind or random acts acts of kindness. And I always had a hard time with that because I I truly never believed purpose was about random acts of kindness. I, I really thought it was about intentional acts of service of how do I intentionally take this thing that I have and then package it in a way that only I can I can deliver and pull on my experience, my insight, my education. Um, and so it, if you see that purpose as the application of your skills and insight, what we call your natural advantage, which is how it is that you're kind of naturally situated to solve problems for other people. We talk about pull passion, which is like the type of problems you like solving. And then my favorite, we talk about a lot, which is origin story, which is that thing that most shaped your perspective. We, we developed this process of purpose discovery that we now teach around the world because we felt, we felt like purpose was too emotional for too long And so we are really the only organization that's applied the scientific method to purpose discovery. And, uh, and it's, it's working out pretty well, I'd say. Absolutely. Y'all I'm, I'm in the uh, member of purpose mastery and the community in the program. And I'll throw a plug in there now that a lot of what you were just talking about Gab is actually the notes that I've been taking as I've been going through the modules and it's been very helpful. It's been getting me to think a different way. And, and I can resonate with a lot of what you're saying, because the reason why that goal board is right behind me mm-hmm. and the genesis of that, and I believe we've briefly talked about this, but I've shared this on the podcast is that, you know, I grew up in a family with a systemic trend of alcohol abuse and mental and emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. And I made a decision that I'm not going to be the next one there. I'm not carrying this trend. The buck stops with me. And by doing the research on, you know, what makes people like Richard Branson, Richard Branson and Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins and Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett, there's a common theme that they all write their goals down. I'm thinking, hey, let me give this a shot and just see what it does for my life. 
and it has completely changed everything. And that's why I'm so passionate about why I do what I do, because by grabbing a pen and paper, you can chart any course that you want for life and you can avoid becoming the next one, whether it's the next alcoholic or the next abuser, the next narcissist, you can go all the way down the line. But why that is there right behind me is because of a place of, of pain that I had growing up. And now you help other people reverse their own, whether it's families of origin, the the bad habits or the genetic proclivities. Um, and I also too come from a family with substance abuse and what, what decision was that for you? And I don't know how openly you talk about it with your community. Um, but how, what has that been like for you to separate from your family and say, Hey, I'm not, I'm not, I'm thankful, right? You always want to be grateful for, oh, yeah. for what it is that your family gave you the, the, the traumas. <laughs> You're, I'm not grateful, grateful for the actual trauma, but what the gift, the trauma gave me, I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, for how it is that they, you know, did their best raising us. But, but what is that, what has that transition been like for you to draw that line in the sand? Have you had pushback from your family? No, actually it's awesome. strengthened the family. There's been times where I've been very vulnerable on this podcast and I love this podcast too. Just, it's been a, a way for, for me to help others, I believe, uh, not be afraid to share what they've been through. And, and as you mentioned, it's absolutely a gift. The moment, the moments weren't gifts themselves, sure. but this right here is a gift. And, and I want everyone to understand that, that I wouldn't, we don't get to write the book, right? Mm-hmm. We don't get to write all the chapters because if we did, there wouldn't be divorces. There wouldn't be murders. There wouldn't be abuse, yeah. but we have the, we do have the opportunity to allow these, these things to, to shape us or break us, choose option number one. And for me, it's actually strengthened the family and believe it or not, Gab, the coolest thing ever is that they're doing this now too. That's awesome. It is like the coolest thing. That's that's the best. I love that. It is the coolest thing. And that's why like, I look forward to, you know, continuing to work with you and, and get on stages and tell this story because it's just everything like it. It's, it's incredible. So I think what we're getting here for people, they understand the starting point, the question to, to ask themselves, uh, to, to identify their purpose. I want to go one step further and okay. So you've, you've asked, what is that obstacle that you've overcome and really what problem, what problem can I solve for myself that I can solve for others? But what is one more step beyond that? Cool. Well, I, I just want to now interview you. I'm like, I'm like, Ryan, I have so many more follow-up questions. Tell me everything. Cause, um, it's, um, candidly, it, it was one of those things that as I transitioned into speaking much more publicly about, uh, my dad's own alcoholism, I had that tension point of, um, how do I share my story, but also to cover the shame of people who have, have done things and are, are continuing to, to do things. Um, my dad isn't in recovery or anything. And, and I think that moment, and I hear that a lot from people in our community is, there's the balance of um, you honor the person, but you also to honor your story. 
And so I'm so thankful for you. And I just want to say how proud of you I am that you have honored both and been, have, have reversed the trend and they're now in your stead, which I think is incredible. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, it's, it's a lot that goes into it. Um, your question was, so what, so once you kind of identify the problem that you want to solve and, and kind of how it is that specifically you want to help people, I think with your purpose, the big thing is, um, kind of the third, if I have like a 15 minute coffee or like drive by with someone or one of my clients is like, Hey, can you help my kid um, figure out their purpose in 10 minutes or something? Um, I then really want to know, um, I want to know how it is that they have, how it is that they find fulfillment. So I'll ask someone, what was your most fulfilled day at work? And I say at work because I don't want them to share, you know, when my, my son was born or, you know, when I, you know, achieved this race, et cetera. I, I want to hear something really hard that you were put in a situation where you either couldn't win or is challenging, or you were given the reins and you could make a decision. And there was a possibility of failure, maybe even the presence of failure, what was going on? And, and I think in those moments where we find fulfillment, I think fulfillment is, is evidence of, of our purpose at work. And that's why we have those moments where we're like, man, I, I could do this all day. You know, Hey, I love podcasting. I could do this all day. I love speaking. I loved coaching. I loved that moment where I got to, to help that mom figure out how it is that she was going to pay for groceries, whatever it was, you have those moments. And I think that those are arrows to point us to what our, pur- our, our purpose is at work and we don't realize it. So that's usually what I'm wanting to break down is, okay, what is a hard thing at work that you process through, that you made a decision, that you overcame something? And then how was it that you were recognized or rewarded at the end? That's a huge mm. one. Yeah, I think a lot of times we talk about motivation and, and most times people talk about push motivation, making yourself get up, making yourself, you know, eat the broccoli when you want the cupcake, making yourself, you know, go out on a date nights when you don't want to, and you're fighting or whatever it is. And, and I think the, when you start to push, I think the key isn't as much pushing as much as what we call pull motivation, which is, um, when your purpose starts to pull you in a, in a, in a certain direction. And so, um, that's usually what I'm looking at. It's fulfillment is more of a pull. It's like you pull yourself out of bed because you're so excited. You pull yourself into that meeting because you can't wait to to present. You pull yourself into that difficult situation because you know that you have the right answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's usually what I'm looking forward to is what are those moments that you came alive, that you found fulfillment in a situation that you couldn't control. And at the end of the day, you either were recognized for it, you personally felt fulfillment from it, um, and or you you had what we call fulfillment transactions, where you had like your tank was full at the end of the day, and you're like, I could do that all day, every day. Um, I believe that once you find your purpose, you can have fulfillment on demand. Um, and and I experience that when I have hard days, when I when I have hard seasons, I know that I can pull into my back pocket and have a moment where I can recreate fulfillment because I know what fulfills me. I know what my purpose is and how to use it. I love that. So I think folks should be convinced by now to identify their purpose and (laughs) ask themselves these key questions. But going on to expand on that a little more, if folks aren't convinced, what does the research say about 
the importance uh, or the benefits rather of identifying your purpose. Because one thing that, you know, you're a voracious student of this and you've read hundreds of books. I know that there are so many benefits, even the neuroscience behind this. Like, I wish we could nerd out for another hour on this. I was listening to a podcast (laughs) earlier with John Asaraf and he was talking about goals. And when you talk about your goals, when you're looking at them, that releases dopamine. Then you have the other, the other reward center chemicals that come out like serotonin, oxytocin, et cetera, just by talking about your goals. But I would imagine that's got to be the same thing, if not even more amplified when you talk about your purpose. Like, What are some things from research? What are some benefits rather uh, that tie to identifying your purpose? Sure. Yeah, we, we measure a, a couple of things. And so I'll kind of call out one, which I think is really interesting. I think your, your audience will love it. But I mean, we see it inside of companies because we help individuals find their purpose at work and apply it to the workplace. And so we see massive increases in retention, overall engagement, um, absenteeism goes down because people want to show up because they feel like I matter and the work I do matters. Um, I think you also see a huge connection in relationships where, and Brian and I, um, who you were mentioned, Brian's my husband who I run the company with, but um, we always joke around about how we want to create a dating app based off of purpose. <laughs> like, wouldn't that be so cool if we could connect with people and, 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 see each other in who they are and what they want to do with their lives and support them in their purpose, which I think is really, really cool. But I think one of some of the coolest studies around purpose are about longevity. And that as someone who is looking at how do I steward this time on, on the planet as best as I can, it was amazing to me to see the connection between the longest lived people. When you look at where the most amount of centenarians are in the world, there's a core concept of purpose. And um, we talk a lot about it in our book, The Purpose Factor, where kind of that Japanese concept of ikigai, which is the reason for being that they know there's a reason I'm here. It's because I'm I'm going to be that grandparent or that elder, or I'm I'm the mentor. I'm the one who has a duty to to share that thing that I have inside of me with other people. I need to stick around for something. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I think is most inspiring because when you see the the two most dangerous years of someone's life is the year that they're born and the year that they retire. That's when the the most amount of, of deaths occur. And, and the retiring thing is really fascinating to me because um, 40,000 baby boomers reach retirement age every single day here in, in the United States. And I think as a culture, we have a, you know, sail off into the sunset and, um, you know, enjoy the fruits of your labor, not realizing how dangerous that is as a society for us to what we think is rewarding them for a job well done is actually a punishment for not giving them meaning on the other side of retirement. And so we're seeing a lot of our clients bring people back in as advisors and mentors and to help with apprenticeships, et cetera, because they realize that there's so much wisdom in the elders of, of our society and they're not done yet and they don't want to just sit and, and watch TV, et cetera. And so mm-hmm. uh, the, the longevity piece, I think, is for me such a beautiful point to just how um, intrinsic purpose is to our overall all well-being. It's so amazing tying it to longevity, which is actually a perfect segue into the question of what is the cost of 
not identifying your purpose and being intentional about that. And I want you to talk about one thing that I've found very captivating about the work that you and Brian do is the one in seven principle, or maybe it's seven to one, but Mm -hmm. I think that ties perfectly to the longevity piece of what's the cost of not being intentional about this journey and not identifying your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Briefly, the the seven to one principles, um, a concept that we developed after Brian's grandmother passed away where um, we're nerds and we were having coffee one day and Brian just said, I, you know, I wonder how long 1% of someone's life is. I was like, I don't know, maybe like a couple months. And so he pulls out his Excel spreadsheet. This is, you know, shows a lot about our relationship. We hang out over spreadsheets and and he did the math and we looked at kind of your, your productive life. So, you know, over the age of 18, the average person in the United States dies at 78. And what we found was seven months equals 1% of your life. Like it's only seven months. It was so sobering to us. And we actually have like a little um, ticker on our desktops that go every seven months, it resets as, um, a very sobering reminder that, um, that you lose 1% of your life every seven months. And when you think about it, how many times do you say, Oh, I'll write that book in the next couple of months and seven months passes, or, Oh, you know, I'll, I'll finally start paying off my debt or I'll, you know, start the diet next year. And we're losing percentage points of our life waiting for something. Mm -hmm. And I think it's crazy. And so, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I think that the, there are so many other dangerous components of, and and I think evidence when someone doesn't know their purpose, we, I grew up boating. And so one of the first things that you learn as a kid is if someone's drowning, you don't jump in after them. And, and I think a lot of people are, are drowning because they don't know their purpose. And so they are either in toxic relationships or create toxic relationships. I think that they are toxic and dangerous bosses, or they work for toxic and dangerous bosses. I think that they have a lot of the personality traits that as a society, we like, we like labeling them as narcissists or, you know, have trouble with mental health or whatever. I think, um, there's certainly a continuum of people who, there's some people in this world who don't think that they have a purpose at all. Mm-hmm. And there's some people who know that they could have a purpose, but don't know what it is for them. And I think in either case, it's very evident for me because I do this for a living that their lack of ability to make clear and confident decisions is one of the first telltale signs that someone is either not in alignment with their purpose or not aware of what their purpose is. Man, I love that. And it's, Hey, life is short. Life is fast. Be intentional. Identify your purpose. Gab, I'm going to wrap this up with, I call it my rapid fire session. So just like the first question, how I have a lot of fun with identifying, you know, getting down to the core of who someone really is. This is just quick. And I actually just renamed it. It's, it's one book, one gem, one step. So we're here in Charleston and the elevators, the buildings in Charleston are actually not tall. Like in Dallas, I see the the high rises mm-hmm. behind you. So elevator rides are very short. So there's one question and all you have is one elevator floor, which is about 10 seconds or less. So someone walks in the elevator and they, they recognize you because they've watched one of your TED Talks. Like, Gab, what's one book besides Purpose Factor that yeah. I should read to amplify my mindset or enhance my, or identify my purpose, enhance my growth journey. 
the one thing by Gary Keller. For one sure. thing by Gary Keller. Love it. Now another person hops in on the next floor and they are like, Oh Gab, you're so cool. I heard your, I listened, I, I read your book. What's one gem that you have one piece of really captivating advice or whether it's a quote one liner, what's one gem stock success, stock success. Now we're on the last floor. You're getting to your meeting. Another person hops on Gab. What's one step that I can take today to identify my purpose? This elevator ride is fun. I want to find one of these elevators. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. What is one step? Um, I think it's writing out your most fulfilled moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think when you, I'm a big fan of reverse engineering your success. And if you can find out how you did it once, you can replicate it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what I would, that's what I'd tell them to do. I love it. Gab, how do people keep up with you and all of the amazing work that you are doing? Yeah. So they can um, hang out with us on Instagram, Brian and Gab. And uh, we've got a free Facebook community where we do live trainings and tons of content. And that's at sevenfigurepurpose.com. And those are kind of the two places where we hang out the most and give insight and answer questions, get to meet people. Check it out, folks. And Gab, thank you so much for hopping on what you're doing. And folks, take the time to identify your purpose, walk in purpose, live in purpose, and win today. Thanks so much for tuning in.